the two words that come to mind are ordinary and necessary. The IRS says, if it's ordinary in your industry and necessary for your business, it's deductible. What's going on with the truckers? Welcome to the Asian My Show. We're hanging out here at the Mecca Chrome shop in my studio. I'm here today with, with David, and we're going to learn a little bit about the, the tax part of trucking. So, you know, welcome to the show, David. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Alex. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm a CPA. I own my own small CPA firm. We have about four employees here. One of them is my wife. And uh, we specialize in trucking, owner-operators, helping small trucking companies and owner-operators because they seem to be overlooked when they uh, are not very big, not a big company, and they have some unique differences. And what I found over the years from knowing a few and working with Simon, working in a 45 truck company was about 50% owner operator and 50% company driver. But the owner operators never really got good help. How many years have you been doing this now? I mean, helping truck drivers as a whole as a CPA? Well, I graduated from college in 1995 and got my first job that fall, but I didn't do my first owner operator return until about 2002. With all of the truckers that you're doing their taxes for right now, uh, what is the biggest issues that you see definitely that they're running into? We can talk about tax law as long as you want to, but the number one issue I see with people is they're not prepared. They don't know what to prepare. They don't know how to pull it together or uh, how to give it to the CPA. Um, and sometimes it's very simple because if you're a, a strictly an owner-operator and you lease onto a company and you run their fuel card, at the end of the year, they can give you a once-a-year settlement statement for the whole year. So your total revenue, total fuel, all the insurance they deducted. Um, different companies are different, but maybe they deduct IFTA from you, Bobtail, physical dam damage insurance. All those deductions are there for the whole year. You can send me one piece of paper. Most of your deductions are there. If you went out and spent 5 and $10 here and there on a – whatever for the truck, supplies for the truck. I use the example of washer fluid because it's cheap and you might just reach in your pocket pull out a $10 bill if you don't run it through your company. But how does the tax preparer find out about that? It's not on that piece of paper. No one's keeping track of it for you. You got to keep track of that. If you have mm. any out-of-pocket repairs or an out-of-pocket tow on occasion, especially back in the days of paper logs, a guy would say, here's my settlement statement and here's my additional fuel that I, I spent out of my pocket. He pulled cash out of his pocket on occasion and bought fuel, um, maybe to avoid having it on a card, you know. And those are the things I don't know about. If you have your own authority and no one is sort of doing your bookkeeping for you for free, like a company does when you lease onto one, then you have to find a solution for that. There's software out there. There's people like me, um, a lot of guys that are lucky. They have a, a girlfriend or a wife who's detail-oriented, and they keep track of all the receipts. At the very <laughs> least, they have them all at the end of the year, and they can add them up. But uh, sometimes people make it sound like it's harder than it really is. I said, just send me your settlement statement for the year. And they might say, well, I quit working for that company, and they won't talk to me. Well, if you work there 35 weeks, send me 35 of them. We'll add them together for you if you haven't done it yourself. But to be honest, that – and the lack of understanding sometimes on uh, some things you can deduct or, or some big issues. So just say I'm an owner-operator right now, right? And I just say I have my wife doing the bookkeeping. 
what should I be sending her? Just what I'm eating and what I'm feeling? Or is there anything else that I'm missing? Or in some repairs that happen? Anything else? Yeah. You know, we have a list that we go by. And as big as I make my list, there'll always be something I forget or something someone runs into that's unique. But the two words that come to mind are ordinary and necessary. The IRS says, if it's ordinary in your industry and necessary for your business, it's deductible. Sometimes some people push the envelope on that a little bit, if you know what I mean. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you can imagine, some things aren't as ordinary as they might wish I thought they were. But, uh, but you can say, if I have to do it, to do what I do. And so uh, a guy told me one time, well, I have to have clothing so I can deduct it. No, can't deduct clothing. You can deduct steel toe boots, hard hat, reflective equipment, gloves. Um, if you're on a flat bed, you can deduct all your secure supplies, ratchet straps, etc. cetera. Um, obviously fuel, repair and maintenance, insurance, the cost of the truck. And if you're financing, financing through a bank, there's interest. There's a lot of small stuff, too. And as far as per diem goes, as far as uh, eating out, you can take the standard per diem deduction if you want to. And uh, I would recommend that usually because nobody spends 60 bucks a day eating out, or most people don't. Mm. And so you, But you might still keep your receipts because your receipts will show that you were out away from home. And so if you live, let's say you live in Columbus, Ohio, about an hour north of where I am, and you have a receipt today at the McDonald's in Dallas and tomorrow in Oklahoma and the next day in uh, wherever you're going out through there. And you, you can prove to the IRS you didn't get back to Ohio. Mm -hmm. Logbooks are usually used to document per diem too. So a logbook mm. can use, be used to document per diem. I've seen auditors accept logbooks. The last time I saw one like that, it was a paper log. So thankfully we don't see a lot of those audits, but. Uh, you, you just anything you spend for the truck. And how, about, the how much of Chrome? Because I'm in a Chrome shop right now, David. How much <laughs> of this Chrome shop? You know, if, if I think I'm going to have a lot of uh, money that I made that year, and I need some things to deduct, can I go out and buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of this Chrome and stacks and all this and put it on my truck? <laughs> Does that count as ordinary or necessary? <laughs> for, that's ordinary for most owner operators, right? <laughs> yes. The owner. I was trying to be a little bit funny there. Owner operators like the crumb. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure that when I see a guy that's got ten or fifteen thousand in expenses for the year in repair and maintenance, there's some chrome in it. I don't look for it. I don't ask. I don't think the IRS is going to look for it or ask or see that. If you uh, go crazy on one and you really put a lot on, like you said, thousands and tens of thousands, maybe. I would just say that your repair and maintenance expense could be higher than it looks like it should be. Potentially that could trip up an audit. Um, but if a guy spends a few hundred or a few thousand a year, I'm, not, I'm just not sure it will be seen. And if you ask me what would the IRS say, I'm going to say, well, it could depend on each auditor. If they realize it's just uh, unnecessary, um, they might say something. The next auditor might not. They're not exactly always consistent in how they audit. But if you spent, uh, you use the number 100,000, if someone really spent a lot of money, I would really not want to put that on a repair and maintenance line. Maybe you would depreciate it because you did spend it. 
someday you'll sell that truck and it will be worth more because of what you did. So you got to make sure you get accounted for the deduction. Um, I would just say that would be a case by case. I'd be careful not to spend too much. But if your guys are buying some Chrome and putting them on, I've, I've never had a problem with it. I don't think anyone else does either. Okay. Okay. No, that's great. And I mean, like some years I've had big repairs where I have like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of repairs. It's just my truck just keeps on breaking, breaking down. I mean, in that scenario, um, as long as I have receipts for it, I'm good to go. I think so. Um, if you're going to have a large deduction, if it was because, let's say, you put a new transmission in or you a twenty, twenty-two thousand dollar engine rebuild, I might pull that off to the side, put it on the depreciation schedule, and depreciate it. I might depreciate mm -hmm. it all, all in one year, so that you get your deduction. But it's a major, major item. And then instead of having 40, you might have 20 and 20. Mm. Um, you still get the same deduction. I've done that before. But I've also put down that a, a, a one-truck owner-operator that made gross 150, I've put down that they've really had 40,000 and a lot of small expenses and a few larger ones not depreciated, and they haven't had no problem. But the, oh, okay. the, the, the more any one line gets, they kind of know about what it should be. Their computers do, but I don't think they're very good at analyzing it, to be honest. Mm. If it's a repair oh. and maintenance, some people say, I won't deduct this because I'm afraid I'll have to get audited or something. And I say, well, an audit might cost a lot less than this, not on deductions. I would deduct everything I'm supposed to deduct, and I would not leave any deductions on the table. Mm. I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't make a decision based on fear. I would oh, I got make you. a decision based on fear. No, that no, that's great advice. Because what what I really want, and and I know you're a busy guy right now as well, uh, especially in this time. Uh, but you know, I want to do a little uh, segments where maybe we'll jump you on in a live, and then people can ask their questions, and then you could kind of you know we can answer a few questions here and there, and let people know, right? So with with this, I want to leave with um, if you're in Ohio. Can someone like me use you or because I know there's federal uh, taxes, there's state. Uh, what do you recommend for most people to do uh, as far as finding a CPA? Most state taxes are not that complicated. There are places like New York, Massachusetts, and California that are complicated. There are places like Florida and Texas that have no income tax at the state level. We tell people that we serve owner-operators coast-to-coast. Coast doesn't mean I necessarily have. I don't necessarily have a client in each of the fifty states. I don't. But most state taxes follow the federal to a great degree, and there's not a lot of variation. That doesn't mean there's not some. I did a Massachusetts return a couple of years ago, and it was particularly hard. I'd never done one before, and it was. Uh, I, I didn't like it, but we we did it. We figured it out, and the next one will be easier. But I'm not if, if I'm open an office and put a shingle out in your state, I have to register with your state and get a license in your state. Because I'm not doing that, I don't have to. And you can use me no matter what state you're in. And the federal tax is all the same. And then if we have issues okay. or questions or uh, differences state to state, we figure that out as we go. We are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. <laughs> <laughs>